the Protect Your Neck Podcast, UFC on ESPN Plus 36 Breakdown, picks, plays, and whatever else comes our way. Let's go to work. Hot air hangs like a dead man from a white oak tree. People sitting on porches thinking how things used to be. Dark night. It's a dark night. What is up, my friends? This is the Protect Your Neck Podcast, and I'm your host, Dan Tom. Analyst is work you'd find over at MMA Junkie as well as linemovement.com. But on this year's program, the Protect Your Neck Podcast, we break down high-level MMA. That's what we're going to do today, tonight, whenever you're listening to this. Hopefully, it's before the fight. Recording this right after weigh-ins. Uh, Las Vegas, West Coast specific time, more specifically, Las Vegas time, where hashtag UFC on Vegas 11 will be taking place, or UFC on ESPN plus 36, or UFC Fight Night 178, or UFC Fight Night Covington versus Woodley, which we're giving the former champion second billing. What the F is with that? Anyways, we'll talk about all that uh, from top to bottom as we usually do, and if you're in a rush because I'm waiting till after weigh-ins to record it, especially in this pandemic era, Feel free to skip forward, check the show notes, whether you're on YouTube, it's provided there. Thank you for liking this video and subscribing to my channel, Daniel Tom MMA in advance, or if it's on Apple Podcasts, thank you again for the five-star ratings. Uh, feel free to leave some more reviews on there. I'll read them off here on the show, but yes, check those show notes. I will timestamp when the breakdown starts, as I will break down that fight card from top to bottom, and if you're in even more of a rush, you can always exercise the format of the breakdown show which includes a recap of my picks and plays at the very end of every breakdown show so if you're in a rush you can go there we will be starting off the show with some important shout outs i have some information on them as well as a very quick recap of ufc vegas 10 and how the picks and plays went last week that'll be quick though um yeah, hope you guys are, are, are doing well there. Um, let's jump right into it, shall we? Expedited edition. Let's see. You can look at the clock and tell the future. I can't tell it. I'm recording as at the time I'm recording this. and You guys can giggle if uh, old Dan Tom ends up over 50 minutes or an hour because I try to go under 45 for these. Um, yeah, newly minted main event, Michelle Waterson defeated Angela Hill via split decision. Um, not, not going to hash out the arguments on this. I think it came down to Z fifth round. Um, and I awarded more for damage, but I don't know if it was a shout out to Phil McKenzie tweeting it, but it was my thoughts exactly like it's, it's, it's like the end of the third or fourth or something like you just, you could just see Michelle Waterson turn on her teacher's pet instincts and just start key eyeing after every shot that missed. And you're like, oh, Jesus, here we go. Jackson Wink, what a one-round winning. Bo, 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 bo. Spinning stuff that doesn't hit. Bo, 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 bo. Um, you know, because you just need to hit, you know, hit the one spinning elbow in the fourth round if you're, you're John Jones versus Gustafson 1, not arguing or trying to rehash that score. But it was a great point of round winning, right? Uh, except Watterson is not John Jones. was not able to hurt. <laughs> Angela Hill, I don't think once, um, so despite talking about doing damage on the way in, but, you know, uh, it wasn't a robbery, though. I know, I know it might sound salty here, but that's just more because i you know rooting for Angela Hill and, you know, even pre-political uh, mumbo-jumbo, which I won't be going into, I wasn't, you know, never a big fan of uh, Karate Hottie, um, but, you know, that's just my opinion, I, I'm, I'm sure she's a swell person, um... And, of course, she was calling for the mob jam. Yeah, mob jam. Uh, she, want, you know, she wants to go right to that front of the line. But, hey, man, she's been doing it for a minute. You got to shoot your shot. Uh, good on her. Um, she fought hard, man. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Tough for Angie Hill, though, man. Two split decisions of which a lot of us, including myself, uh, probably, you know, scored or leaned toward her. Not robberies in either case, but... 
you know, hard not to feel for Angie there. Um, Atman Azatar uh, defeats Kama Worthy. Um, yeah, I, I was definitely wrong on the pick. I'm glad I wasn't super confident. Uh, that being said, I'm still not sold on uh, Azatar. I'm almost kind of glad this happened because I think we'll get a good fade price on this guy. Um, even if he's a legit knockout guy, uh, I'm still going to fade you because you haven't gone to round three or really fought anybody. Uh, you know, the, until Kama Worthy is this, now the strongest person you fought. So I'll, I'll still be looking to fade a, in Azatar. This wasn't the spot. Uh, good thing I didn't jump on it. Um, but, yeah, I didn't blame anybody who was playing Worthy, especially at that opening dog price. So... I'm not going to try to do revisionist history either. That being said, um, yeah, I'll be looking looking to fade the as Azatar. Unless he's you know making a turnaround here in the UAE, that's going to be tough to pick against either Azatar for in the UAE, folks. Gas you up. All right, hey, Roxanne Modafferi defeated Andrea Lee. Another pick I was wrong on. However, I will give myself credit because, again, both on here, on the podcast here, and as well as the line movement MMA betting sheet, um, I did uh, put Roxanne Modafferi as as the live dog, as, as the liveliest dog on the car, the most value, uh, etc. She checked off all the boxes. I explained why. Felt like I did a pretty good job of it at saying that, you know, regardless if you don't think Modafferi is going to win, I'm officially picking Lee in what's going to be a close fight. Um, and uh, a fight that's closer, at least, than the odds indicate, and that it was. And Lee's body language and choices did not help her. Um, whereas Roxanne... Say what you will about her or her style, her consistency won through. Um, so good on you if you sprinkled on that, and hopefully you stayed away from Lee regardless. <clears throat> and then, yes, a uh, shout-out to not just Line Movement for holding my betting articles as well as the Line Movement MMA betting show with Dan Levy over there, but we're also now not just on YouTube for Line Movement MMA or linemovement.com. Uh, uh, but you can also find us now on Apple Podcasts on the Line Movement MMA Show on uh, Apple Podcasts. Just search that, subscribe, and you get another weekly show. It'll always probably be coming out before this show because we record um, on Wednesday uh, afternoon. So uh, it usually just drops right uh, Thursday morning. So be on the lookout for that. Whereas this show, as you know, I usually don't record till Thursday or as my late butt usually does, especially in this pandemic era, I kind of accepted, hopefully you guys have too, these Friday recordings. I'm getting them up on YouTube faster though, so hopefully uh, you guys are clicking more on those and helping my measly uh, 43 uh, views or whatever. But hey, that's my fault. I don't get it out enough. But I'm trying, folks. I I'm launching the YouTube channel solo in the pandemic era, and I feel like I've been doing good. Got some more interviews coming your way. Of course, the breakdown shows, and we'll eventually get back on these top five shows once I get some room to breathe from this UFC schedule. Speaking of room to breathe, uh, the respite man, Chris Tyone, helped out uh, old Ed Herman to defeat Mike Rodriguez via submission, Kimura. Um, you know, kind of like how he won his tough contract, or tried to win it, I should say, going for them Kimuras. Ed, Ed Herman still does it. It paid off here. Granted, he got arguably finished twice by Mike Rodriguez. Um, but it wasn't Ed Herman's fault. I blame more of the ref. People were so upset about it. I was just laughing how people were upset regardless of what your opinion was. Um, just how butthurt people were about this. The only person has the right to be butthurt, by the way, is Mike Rodriguez and his team, folks. Um, and and uh, I'm not mad at a crafty Ed Herman. <laughs> but, yeah, Rodriguez you know, arguably had two finishes there, so you got to feel for him. Um pfft. Glad I stayed away from that fight. Uh, Bobby Green came through. Uh, Green. We'll get to the Green quarantine. But Bobby Green defeats Alan Patrick via unanimous decision. And, you know, it, it, if that was Bobby Green in shape, I mean, Jesus, he still made himself look like a minus 500 to minus 1,000 favorite. As my co-host on the Line Movement MMA betting show, uh, Dan was so kind to... <coughs> Excuse me. Credit me with, but I'm not going to victory laugh over over a fucking chalk pick here, folks. So don't worry. Uh, that's not where I'm going down. Um, you know, that being said, seldom am I confident uh, in things regardless of the price. And 
and I was there, and again, I dare say I was pretty damn spot on right. So congrats to you big betters who went big. I mean, I went big for me, but for me, I mean, that's like laying a couple hundred dollars on the line. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not, um, you know, betting in the hundreds is not big. Uh, that's, that's big for me. But, I mean, for a lot of the people I talk to, it's not. So congrats if you were one of those bigger people. And uh, laid some G's on Mr. Green to make you some green. And if you paired him with Billy Quarantine, defeating Kyle Nelson, uh, a, it says, I think it was a third round TKO, I think. But Billy, Billy Quarantine is an auto round three bet. Um, as much as I want to brag here, again, I got to bring myself down to earth because somehow I missed the most obvious round three bet. I was kicking myself. You know my man Derek Love, the Derek Love special. You know we, we, we haven't busted out one of those. Maybe maybe we will in this coming breakdown. Uh, he was all over it. You know, um, wasn't the greatest price, admittedly, but give yourself credit, Mister Love. Uh, that was a good hit, and thank you, Mister Quarantillo. Billy Quarantine uh, defeated Kyle the Monster Nelson, who should probably be going up in weight, and he admitted it himself. We'll probably talk about that theme once again. Again, I'm not. Pounding this for no reason, folks. These fighters end up admitting them themselves when I usually say this. So, Jara Eubanks proved to be a live dog once again. I thought Julia Vila was going to roll. I had a Vila in a fun parlay. I ain't going to lie. Um, but uh, other than that, um, I'm glad I wasn't preaching to go big. Uh, so, hopefully, you didn't. And Sajara so Eubanks, again, man, just proven to be a tough out. Got another quick booking. Can't remember who it is offhand. But oh, uh, Caitlin Vieira. So that's going to be an interesting match. She's probably going to be an underdog again, but it's like, you know, do you have that recency bias, that little PTSD? We'll see. Got to look at the fight. Kevin Kroom with the best mugshot ever defeated Roosevelt Roberts, who just kind of exposed that guy, right? Not going to shit on the guy while he's down, but I will give credit to uh, my, my, my fellow unphotogenic brethren, uh, Kevin Kroom there. Uh, I know what it's like to be stuck with a bad shot, except uh, I didn't have to do it in a cage fight. And you did, sir, and you uh, still came out and got the old club and sub. Changed his life there with that 50K bonus. Happy to see it. Happy to see the bonuses go to these undercard fighters. Jalen Turner defeated Brock Weaver, making the most of what they could. Brock Weaver, man, he had to get finished a whole lot. Was that uh, Herb Dean? Yeah, you don't, don't do the walk-off KO, folks, with Herb Dean. Uh, again, I talked about more of the power theory behind a lot of these calls, which I don't agree and I'm not making an excuse for, certainly. But it's almost like, especially with Herb, it's like, no, I'm calling the fight. And they almost take, you know, take offense of it. Um, and they should establish control, you know. Like Goddard, this is my octagon. Listen, listen. Listen, you fucking cunt. All right, he doesn't really say that. Sorry for the potty language. Um, but, you know, you have to take control, but you can let that interfere with what's a good call or not. Anyways, the right guy won. Hopefully Brock Weaver's all right, and we'll see what they do with him. Man, that's a tough, tough go. And um, good on Turner, Mr. Turner. Uh, Brian Barbarina looking, 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 looking like he's back against Anthony Ivey. You know, a lot of intangibles scared me away. I put him in a fun parlay. I don't know if it was the one that got shot down with a Avila or not, but um, I was happy to see him come through. You could tell he's been doing strength and conditioning, you know, even though Barbarina still has his uh, beer belly. And, uh, boy, oh, God, I was watching footage of my grappling role yesterday. I'm like, man, I, I don't look that big in the mirror on camera, but when I'm rolling, you just see, Jesus. The hell's I've been hiding my belly. So I ain't hating, but you can tell the dude's been, uh, his back actually and his shoulders look stronger than ever, which means you could tell he's been really doing the um, physical therapy, you know, um, for what, you know, could be career enders, depending on what you have done to your back. So good to see from Barbarina. Great sign there. And how about Anthony Ivey putting up a fight? That shouldn't be lost. Um, Sabina Masso defeated uh, Justin Geese. Saw, saw saw people shouting me out there. I guess my <laughs> oh Dan, your creepiness is coming out, isn't it? Oh Jesus! <laughs> Telling you those Colombians are my kryptonite. Stay on target. Stay. My Sabina looked great. 
Um, bad Justin Keach, Merrick. All right, Dan, don't go there either. Let's just push on past this fight, all right? Jesus, Dan, digging yourself a fucking hole already. Alexander Romanoff defeated Rogue Martinez uh, via arm triangle and uh, kind of showed uh, why um, I was high and had previous plays on him, slash questioning why y'all were playing against Flo, Flo Rida, as I was calling him Flo Rita. But thankfully, my dude Aaron Bronstetter, who I do the pre-show with, uh, shout-outs to Aaron, um, corrected me on that, but uh, but yeah, he would have washed him. Like, <laughs> just watching this fight, I'm like, yeah, like Rogerio DeLima would have uh, thrown himself into seven guillotines by round two by now. Um, so, secrets out on Romanov. Not saying he's going to be the champion, but I mean, like, you know, as far as why you saw minus three fifty openers that people bet down. Well, that's why. That is why. That is why. All right, 15 minutes. That's too long, Dan. That was too long. All right. Um, real quick, some shouts. Uh, I've been meaning to give these guys a shout. Again, just the uh, Sound of Violence at TSOVpod. Uh, I don't know their recent one. They were really, uh, Pulver and Chris Medaffer, they were really cracking me up with their impressions, GSP and so forth. Do more of that, guys. And uh, Pulver was uh, saying something about, I forget what it was, but about... Um, Referencing, by the way, he referenced. It's like he could peek into my head and, and secretly saw that I I would love to do a film podcast someday. And of course, you know, uh, Zane Simon is amongst the top of those names who I would want to do that with. And, and uh, shouts to Pulver for requesting that. Um, but uh, in reference to me and fucked up movies that he was questioning about about irreversible, trying to avoid it. I wasn't trying to avoid it. I actually have a very funny story which I'm not going to share here. Maybe I'll I'll share with you all sometime. Uh, at a different time, but uh, about Irreversible, about how I both saw it in film school and how I indoctrinated my friends into seeing it and probably ruined their lives, partial part of it, uh, their brains by showing them that movie. And uh, I actually threatened in that thread that you tagged me in Pulver uh, to make uh, bets with Zane that involve him having to watch it because he is avoiding some Gaspar No. He knows. He knows about Gasper now. So go check out their pod. It's always just fun shit-talking dudes. Who, uh, I can relate to that, but I got to I gotta try to keep it buttoned up here, folks. To the Breakdowns Art Fight Podcast, they also present a nice, uh, more eloquent, yet also just everyday dude aspect of shooting the shit and talking about things like fight to art, and which I both love because I also love art. And they had uh, one of my favorite guests, uh, Chris Rinney, at Rinney MMA on again, to promote his new book, which he did with, um, gosh darn it. Oh, is it Josh Rosenblatt? I don't know, but go to chrisrinney.com. You can get the digital copy. He sold out on the hard copies. I'm glad I got my order in. Um, you know, just like a pandemic fight, though, I'm not going to count my... You know, I'm not going to count um, my chickens before they hatch. I'm not going to count on it until the book gets here, but I will promote it nonetheless because Chris Rain does great art. Gave some great insight on that podcast as well as far as uh, drawing. And, um, yeah, also, and lastly but not leastly, just a shout-out to uh, my dude, uh, Sean, uh, Sean E., Sean Early of a podcast, uh, Gave me some nice uh, nice words of the podcast as encouragement, which really just any sharing and nice words is like more than I could ever ask for. However, uh, if, you, if, you go, if you go above and beyond too and leave a little bit in the PayPal over there on the hosting site, MixedMarshallAnalyst.com, which is linked in my Twitter profile, at DanTomMMA, um, I, I, I won't, uh, you know, I won't, I, I won't, uh, I, I won't stop you. And it's much appreciated, especially for this free programming. Um, as all my content has been free for the past five years, this podcast though has only been going through four of those years, but Hey, four years of free content, uh, nothing to sniff at. And, um, I appreciate it, man. This stuff ain't easy. I ain't about to play a violin, but man, I do appreciate that. Of course, there are ways to support aside from sharing or uh you know giving me any money in fact you can just 
don't have to share and you can go spend money for yourself. Just go to mixedmarshallanalyst.com, again, the host site. And on the same right side, you may have to toggle to it depending on your web browser on a mobile device, but you will see the PayPal link under that. You will also see the Apple podcast link for all those five-star ratings and reviews as well as on it an Amazon link. I know all y'all using that Amazon, unfortunately, but hey, that's life right now. Uh, be sure to click through that Amazon link before you order your Amazon or the on it link before you order your on it. And and a small percentage of this your purchase will go back to the podcast and no extra cost to you helps keep this free. Thank you. All right, that is the shouts, and we are going to be on to UFC Fight Night 178, UFC and ESPN Plus 36, UFC hashtag UFC Vegas 11, UFC Fight Night Covington versus Woodley going down, down at the Apex Crown political BS swinging. All right, I'm not going to sing this uh, Fallout Boy breakdown to you guys. Don't worry, it stops there. I just need to kill some time as I time schmamp at 20 and load up the odds. All right, let's get into it. We're going to go from top to bottom as per usual, schmokeshin, folks. Um, a lot of fight cards. Everybody made weight, as I said at the top of the show, recording this after the weigh-ins. Um Darren looked great at the weigh-ins, by the way. My goodness. All right, Dan. He's stay on target. Colby Covington, minus 325. Tyron. 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 Sorry, I have to say it like that. Tyron Till. Tyron. That was, uh, that was my favorite part of that build-up because he just had to, you know. He, it, sorry. It was, <laughs> it's just that cadence. Tyron Woodley, plus 265. Um... Yeah, man, speaking of Darren Tilt, Woodley does well against Southpaws. He's either 6-0, and or if you include a switch dancing Stephen Thompson, who primarily fought Southpaw against Woodley, he is 7-0-1. Um, that being said, with those Stephen Thompson fights or Kelvin Gaslam, or even with the included back in strike force Nathan Coys by split decision, a lot of these fights were closer than suspected. Um, nevertheless, if Covington, as the odds are, and me, are are predicting, as I'm sure you know by now, is my in-depth breakdown on this. If I miss anything, of course, as always, posted up at MMAJunkie.com. We can also find my grading the winners for uh, this last week's Contender Series. Kind of brushed by that for a reason, though. <laughs> um, but yes, in-depth breakdown there on the main event. And yeah, if Covington does get by Woodley, he should deserve credit for being that Southpaw. But as you're starting to hear people uh, chime in from coaches to media members who've talked to said coaches or plugging Covington himself. He is talking about being an orthodox fighter all along. Again, folks, um, this isn't a surprise uh, because, for one, um, I, I, as I said in the line moving MMA betting show earlier this week, um, Co Covington's been going to orthodox uh, sneakily, if you look at his last fight, and improving just his right hand in general, sitting down on his check right hook, which wasn't as much of a presence before. I think that's going to play because that hits the left eye, and what happened to Woodley's left eye not but three and a half months ago got split open really bad. So I think he's going to get split open here, um, which will help further cause things to fall apart or take away from any successes Woodley is having. I also like that Covington is acknowledging that pressure isn't just the key. Um, not to lead on that because I think he's going to have some other things in store. And if he is finding out that he is a right-handed southpaw, which, you know, he's explaining something that, again, I've, I've covered a bunch of times on this program, folks, a lot of as a right-handed southpaw, um, and I, I, I've spotted it out. I'm pretty proud of my radar on that. Even guys who aren't, you know, haven't gotten to the UFC level. Like I remember interviewing Chris Curtis a couple years ago, uh, who fought in the PFL before he fought in the PFL. Uh, just watching a couple of fights, and say, "You're right-handed southpaw, aren't you?" He's, yep. I'm like, and usually that's either because you came from traditional martial arts or wrestling, um, because certain things, you know, for traditional martial arts. You know, I have less of a reasoning for that, even though that's where the bulk of my experience is from. But you just, there's a lot of fighters that fight from a southpaw stance from there. Um, your right hand is kind of guiding uh, dominant forward. It's a little bit of a backwards theory from boxing, even though some boxers believe in keeping your strong hand forward, which I always loved about having that right handed jab. That being said, I honestly felt my left hand from either stance as a lead or a rear is actually my more powerful shot to this day. 
So that being said, I'm a right hand. I'm I'm I'm, I'm a weird kind of weird partially ambi guy. Like I'll write with my right so, and I'll throw with my right. So I guess I'm right-handed dominant in that sense, which is why I'm a right-handed southpaw. But when you're shooting pool or skateboarding or doing things like goofy foot, I'm doing all those things left-handed. I'm fighting. I'm fighting left-handed. I feel more powerful left-handed. I delegate my right hand as a guiding side. A lot of people in wrestling will will do that as far as shooting too. They feel stronger, so they want to guide and launch. And as you know, uh, even though it's a penetration step, that penetration step is often a guiding point, right? It's a guiding point to your entry. So off that same theory, that's why you'll see a lot of right-handed uh, wrestlers, you know, fight from a left-handed stance because they wrestle from that same stance. They wanted to push off from there. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of, you know, then you get, you know, talked into fighting Southpaw and maybe you're contrarian. You want to be different because most people will try to talk you into training Orthodox. Um, so it's a tricky thing. In other words, you know, I just scrambled a lot of information at you, but the point is it can take a while for you to find your stance. Even when I shadow box now, um, and I, I, I feel like when I get back into moving around and sparring, I'm probably going to be doing more orthodox than I am southpaw, despite being a lifelong southpaw. Um, I'm probably going to be switching stances a lot because I've always been a sw stance switcher, and it just seems even more you, uh, crucial now that other people are learning how to do it, and you're starting to see it more common play. But yeah, man, it could take you a while to find your stance. So long-winded, I'm sorry, folks, but do not be surprised if Covington comes out and uh, shows more of an orthodox stance, especially because there's a theory, you know, Woodley does better against Southpaws. That Southpaw opens up the lane for the right hand. Say what you will about Woodley and his limited tools. What's his goddamn really good tool coming forward and off the counter? It is that right hand. So you can kind of shut down that lane. You know, again, two schools of thought from that, right? Um, how did Josh Barnett shut down uh, Roy Nelson's right hand? He actually went southpaw. He felt like he could see it more. It put more space and distance as that stands naturally and inherently does. So again, not all schools of thought are right, but there the, the, there are two different schools of thought that have been proven to be effective in that cage. So do not be surprised for that reason. Thirdly, another reason not to be surprised, Covington dishes out some orthodox uh, you switched over to MMA Masters, which are known for their calf kicks and their jiu-jitsu prowess as far as within their game planning. So uh, and we also saw leg kicks like like Tyron Woodley. It's not the same anymore. It's not like those kind of days where he's kicking one guy's leg and their other leg is blown out. Um, he is the one getting leg kicked. He was switching stance late in that fight with uh, Gilbert. I know my man Bronstad loves some Duhinia. My eyes are slightly coming back, folks. Knock on wood. Um, but you know, so it, it, I, you got to imagine Covington and his camp saw that. So again, all these reasons don't be surprised to see him go more from orthodox, but from southpaw that check hook, as it is for most southpaws, you should not leave home without it. Will be money. I think it's going to cut open Woodley, and uh, I think it's going to be uh, sprouting familiar scenes, man. Um, and again, I think Woodley got a lot of mileage out of his style. I don't think the unfortunate part is he never got enough credit for his title reign uh, or the things that he does try to support and do. Um, but, you know, you got a question, man. The Not going to jump on Covington's <laughs> joke about Masvidal and Woodley game planning. The only thing they're game planning is alimony payments. But, dude, like doing turnarounds, um, you know, the legal stuff that is going on with you, would you can't envy that in all seriousness. Not picking, not pointing, not trying to kick anybody when they're in any kind of position. But you got to look at these things, you know. Why are they showing up? What's going on here? Um, you know, um, there's a reason why a lot of the bigger paychecks and bigger name guys haven't been showing up in the pandemic era, folks. You know, the ones that are fortunate enough, first of all, let's be honest, first and foremost, that they don't have to. Uh, that's, that, that's obviously part of it, firstly and foremostly, but chances are they probably care a little bit more about their career, right? Whereas guys getting big paychecks later on in their career, riding losing streaks, why would they be so eager to jump into bad style matchups against high-paced guys? Let's look at Robbie Lawler, right? I didn't want to spell that out. You don't ever hear me accusing people of showing up for checks, but I'd be lying to you if that's what I wasn't thinking beforehand. And if you listen to that breakdown, I tried to spell it out as politely as possible. I wouldn't be surprised if there is any of that at play as well. 
But even if it's not, even if it's a good tattern with Leo we're dealing with, I like Covington. Um, so I'm going to go Covington by decision. But the decision prop, like I spelled out in line movement and my betting sheet, I don't think it's worth it as far as value goes. Um, you're only getting $2 cheaper, and it's still chalk props, which are hard to recommend, especially because I know is an amazing jiu-jitsu, and he got hurt, Woodley, and dropped him and got him down and still couldn't finish him. And Woodley deserves credit for that. Um, that being said, um, the later pace is not going to be the same pace Covington puts, nor the same kind of pace if Covington gets going to his wrestling, which I think he will as well. Which means, um, and, and you know, the jiu-jitsu with Daniel Valverde uh, and Covington's jiu-jitsu that he was already showing these improvements, like the way he was, you know, crunching over Lawler's back, threatening the RNC as he kind of just rid him without the ho- rode him without the hooks. Like, he does that stuff to Woodley. I could see him maybe even getting a late submission. That actually wouldn't surprise me, folks. Um, I know he's not as good as Duhino on paper, but it's it's matchups, it's timing, and catching him at the tail end of this beating, especially if he opens him up early, like I think, could get a late finish. So careful if you're riding some submission or go the distance props there. Uh, Covington straight up. Minus 325, it's getting a little, little more reasonable, but it's going to be parlay piece for me. Um, Nico Price, spring break, spring break forever. Uh, James Franco's character from Spring Breakers, uh, him and um, what's the uh, what's the uh, shorts guy Bryce Mitchell share that? I got shorts every fucking color. I got I got shorts uh, facing. Uh, I'll be your Huckleberry. Um, that was a terrible doc. Holiday Donald Cerrone plus one thirty five comeback uh, price. I believe opened as the favorite. The line opened closer. I think. Um, but yeah, I get it. Um, I'd be careful laying any kind of chalk, especially the growing chalk on a Nico price. But I did pick Nico, and I did, if you're looking for a plus angle on Nico, if you didn't want to play the plus 130 on Cerrone, which is now plus 135, I took a plus 130 on price by KO, because that's how he wins. And uh, that's, I believe, how he wins this fight. Um, Cerrone more durable than you think. And yes, you got to look at who he beats and who he's lost to. He's only fought the best guys. Is Donald Cerrone, like... My co-host Dan said it best. This is going to be the, the after-the-fact fight. You know you know Dan Tom's favorite, the after-the-fucking-fackers, right? From, oh, God, from people in the space to just randos on Twitter. The after-the-fackers are just can be the worst. I'm sorry. And it's going to be full of it, this fight. Um, even if you could be reluctant, biggest Cerrone fan, reluctant on your price pick, be as respectful about it as I usually am about all these picks. It doesn't matter. If you get it wrong and it's the veteran, which, pe- you know, most, which is funny because most people, especially Twitter, is like, they see a young guy versus a veteran and they just go fucking full chub. Like, it's just stiff. It's just like, what? Sorry, I couldn't quite hear you. Could you please repeat what you said? <laughs> no, Siri. I'm not talking to you. Shut up. Okay. <laughs> what the hell did I say to set that off? <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> Jesus, Dan, you're, you need to stay on target. Your phone's going to keep you on target. Uh, I swear, folks, I'm, it's the morning time. It's, it's just, it, I'm sober. It's only coffee here. I don't think I've drinking in, drink in weeks, actually. Jesus. But listen. <laughs> My phone to go off. <laughs> Dan, we've noticed that you've been saying this phrase a lot. Stop outing me on the podcast. <laughs> Jesus. Um, <laughs> go stiff. Yeah, I was talking about stiffies, not serious. Jesus. <laughs> <I'm sad. laughs> it's got me gun shy. All right. <laughs> Anyways, um, you know, most people get very excited at this prospect of fading a veteran, is what I was saying. Um, you know, however, when, when it goes the other way, everybody's, you know, the first in line to tell you, I told you so. So feel free to do it to me, folks. I know the game I play. Um, I'm not super confident, but I am confident enough, which deserves criticism if I'm wrong. Go ahead. I don't care. Um, uh, I'm going to take price here. Uh, it's just Cerrone. I did think that he won against Pettis and yes, he does roll through guys who weren't firmly in the top 10 of welterweight or lightweight, but 
how long does those trends go, you know? I mean, the dude ain't getting any younger at 37, 50-plus fights, 14-plus years. Um, That's a long time, man. That's a long time. And even on the scale, he looked, like, drawn out. Is this fight at lightweight or welterweight? Jesus. Like, I don't know. He's got the old man body. I don't know, man. We'll see. We'll see. Um, I'm hot and cold. I'm picking Cerrone. But, you know, price is well. Uh, what kind of sold me, though, as well, was going to those Luque fights. I know he lost both of them, but Luque is a fighter who would definitely take out Cerrone and... Uh, is a really good leg kicker, albeit he doesn't have the Donald Cerrone most leg kicks landed in UFC history stat. Uh, but because of that stat, you have to look at how fighters react to leg kicks. And from early in his herky-jerky career, Price has shown the ability to counter and knock dudes out, like Joe Man. And um, between Price, uh, between Luke A1 and Luke A2, he showed better defense, distance management, and counters to the point where you can actually hear Luke giving him credit for it and massive props for it and said he was, he, uh, he was hurting his legs with his defense. So um, I like that. Um, Nico Price is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu brown belt, underrated scrambler, proven dangerous from all positions. So even though Cerrone grappling is his best bet and Cerrone finishing submission will be the most likely way he does if he does get a finish, um, Price shouldn't be completely overlooked in that grappling aspect either, man. So unless he gets caught with something stupid by submission, um, I see Price winning this fight. Yeah, Donald Cerrone could outwork him with volume and striking savvy, but 15 minutes is a long time to be in there with Nico Price. I mean, there's a reason why Nico Price, win or lose, doesn't see decision very much. He's a wild man with crazy power. So I got price here. Uh, next fight, uh, Hasmat Chimaev, minus 390. Gerald Mearshart, plus 320. Um, not going to have the best breakdown here, folks. You guys know that um, I was one of those select few because we uh, who do their homework of these guys for the, they get in the UFC and could see that Chimaev was going to be real deal, but now we get to really see him tested, which is nice. Um, so... Even though I didn't quite agree with the opening line, I think this line's much more down to earth. I'm going to take Jemayev here. Obviously, you guys know I'm a big fan of GM3, Gerald Mearshart. I'll be rooting for him here. Uh, I may even sprinkle on old GM3 if the line keeps jumping by fight day. Um, but even though I like what Gerald's saying about not going to referee position and going to turtle, I've just seen him go from turtle and be comfortable in bad positions too many times. That's the reason why I like him because... I'm no way going to pair myself to an, an amazing UFC fighter, athlete, skilled dude, tough dude like Mearshart, but I'm just saying as far as grappling styles go strictly, um, I've got a lot of that same spirit, so I, I really dig Mearshart's style, and, you know, on the feet as well, I'm a southpaw, and we'll love to sling that hard body kick, and, and, and that's Mearshart as well, um, which I got to imagine he's going to be slinging those against Chimaev despite the takedown threat, counter-takedown threat they present. So look for that. Uh, if I would be Mearshart, I'd be selling out for that liver shot on his tall body. But Chemaev seems to have a good radar for that as well. He likes to b break guys down with liver shots. If you look at that sparring footage with Gus, um, he's a big dude, man. So not too surprised to see that they're actually similar stature, despite this is the higher weight class that Chemaev competes in. So we'll see. Uh, I'm not sure if he finishes Gerald because Gerald's tough and a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt and skilled. Um, so I'll go Chemayev decision, but I will say with the crap talk, which is now kind of swaying and, and, and making people, uh, root against Chemayev and root from your sharp more, which is great. Cause I love Gerald. So, uh, I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm good with that, but it was kind of cool. Cause it, it, it got, he, you know, even though Gerald wasn't trying to Chemayev got himself in, into an ego battle with his own ego. But that ego battle of I'm going to submit you to prove a point and, you know, with the Jackermans and stuff. And that was, you know, brutal trash talking, clever, man, if you're going to go at a guy, right? Props props to Chimaya, man. Uh, you know, very loose rules in this fight game, folks, whether you like it or not, you know, and that's definitely within him. Um, but here's what I saw from that. I'm like, oh, now he's going to want to back that up. Chimaya's going to have to back that up. Now, luckily for him, he gets all the fights into that wheelhouse where he can go for submissions. And kind of like Mearshard scouting report, he fights very similar to Khabib, except goes for more submissions than him, um, even more than Makhachev. Um, so, yeah, uh, 
I and 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 I believe it's plus two thirty. The last time I looked at it, Chamayev by sub. So I mean, on a juiced favorite who apparently is going to roll here, right? According to the odds, when you get plus plus money that high on a sub, it's not high on a gen- in general, but for the circumstances, I would argue that's pretty tasty. Um, so if you are a Chamayev supporter and looking to play him at a, at, a, at a reasonable entry, that's that's certainly worth a sprinkle. Because now that that gauntlet's been thrown, you know he's going to want to back it up. Um, so in my opinion, it's going to be either um, Chemayev by sub or Chemayev by decision. I'm going to officially pick it by decision because I don't want to disrespect Mearshart like that. But man, if you're unbiasedly looking to bet, well, I, I gave you the breadcrumb there. Johnny Walker minus 125. Ryan Superman's band plus 105. Um yeah, man, I'm I'm still not sold on Walker. Uh, he started to sell me, you know. He convinced me after being wrong on him, and then he proved my initial reads right. And, and oh boy, do I hate that. Do I hate people, you know, getting me away from what's initially a right read. Uh, so uh, I'm I'm picking Ryan Span here, but more importantly, I don't like the jumping around at camps. I know that there's been more that have come out recently since I recorded the MMA betting show that he went up to Ireland, SBG. Johnny Walker did for a reason. He's got a girl there that he's met for a while. That sounds sweet. I wish him the best. I hope he does stick with a be- uh, with, with a serious camp. But, you know, he still seems like just a lot of brutal talent without the process. He claims to have a Brazilian jiu-jitsu brown belt, but... I feel like he gets lost in the sauce, you know, uh, you know, without like the opportunistic spots. And we saw that even against Nikita Krilov, who is like fucking team captain of lost in the sauce. He's just been swimming in it since the day he was born. Right. And he uh, seemed like he perfectly knew how to navigate the maze. Whereas Johnny Walker was just sauce lost in Dan. Stop with the lost sauce. All right. Stop it. Um, but, you know, so it just, I, I didn't like that. And against a guy who's going to want to grapple, say what you will against Sam Alvey about that game plan. But those propensities that Ryan Span has is very good. I also like that Ryan Span is going to be one of the few light heavyweights who can mention, match him in wingspan or span or frame or whatever in general in length and height, right? It's 6'5 to 6-5 or 6-6 if you go off Johnny Walker's last thing. The point is, I do like that. I think it's going to come in very handy. I also like that he seems to have a better gas tank to start off with, and that's probably because he's not making crazy cuts to 205 like Johnny Walker has because he's so freaking huge. Ryan Spann, of course, he is fighting in the right weight class, but used to fight 185, even you know posted a picture of him on the scale in his regional career as low as 180. So... I like that the guy doesn't have to cut a lot of weight, especially in this pandemic era. I also like that he doesn't have to travel as much, whereas Johnny Walker has to do all of those things. And even if this is the right fit, we give him the benefit of the doubt, there's always that adjusting period, much less for a guy that really doesn't have a lot of process to even build upon, right? Um, So unless he gets his opportunistic KO flying knee, or something along those lines, I see Span um, making this ugly against the cage. He doesn't even have to get his first takedown. Like As long as he's pressing against the cage and making Johnny Walker work, the mathematical percentages are going to be slowly already swinging in Span's favor uh, because I believe it's a first-round KO or bust for Walker. Yes, Span's been rocked more than his record shows, and yes, he's been rocked late, you know, twice in that Sam Alvey fight, once in the first, another in the third. Um, however, I do like that he kept his cool and went for the takedown and got back on the clock. So two ways to look at that. For plus money, especially, you know, even though he was opened, uh, Walker was opened as the favorite, it was one of those minus situations, and Span went from minus 105 to plus 105. Well, I'm going to have to take a shot on Span then, and I did. Um... Just threw a unit on him. And I also took span by submission, plus 550 at half a unit. And easy Derek Love, because I see this being a really sloppy matchup, right? Both guys are going to be careful here. And uh, because of how their last fights went, despite winning and losing. And um, I think if this, if this thing makes it to a round three, I don't think it sees its way out of round three. So for that reason, 
Span round three plus 150. The Derek Love special. Just a quarter unit. Just a quarter unit on that. Um, and I'll recap all these folks toward the end. I uh, got that on the line movement MMA betting sheet. Uh, not saying you need to follow me off a cliff. Not saying it's the most confident pick. It's freaking light heavyweight folks with the heavyweight intangibles. Let's not pretend ourselves. But for better or worse, I am going to be honest with y'all. That's what I got. Mackenzie Dern uh, is minus 165. Random Marcos. Handa. I'm not going to make a joke there. Random Marcos plus 145. Um, well, let's just say I won't. Yeah, okay. Dan, stay on target. Um, <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah, this is an interesting fight. I'm surprised we're not getting like the minus 300 line on Dern. I'm not saying it's right or it should be. I don't think it should be. But this just seems like that classic spot. So for that reason, um, I was already looking this way. And then, you know, shout out to James Lynch, who on the Octagon Outlook show, which is another weekly show you can find there in the Line Movement MMA YouTube channel, as well as that podcast feed I told you to subscribe to, said that uh, she wasn't able due to the visas. Of course, she's a Canadian who trains at Scorpion Fighting Systems, I believe, or somewhere in Michigan. She actually trains at multiple gyms down there, including Boxing Gym, and uh, wasn't able to go do that. Uh, she was able to make weight okay. She looked really relieved to do so. Look, uh, Mackenzie looked fantastic on the scales despite coming in later. Um, so we'll see how that is because, you know, Random Marcos has had trouble with the scales as well. Maybe not as much or not as publicized as Dern. But, you know, she really gives it her all to get on there. I mean, she's sweating to the last second, you know, when you see her step on them scales, uh, Random Marcos. Um, Randa, you know, I went back and really watched their Amanda Rebos's fights to really help me get a, and then their most recent ones as well. Um, and yeah, I just, from Marcos's takedown defense, which isn't as good, she's more of an offensive wrestler, is better than her defensive wrestling, which is another reason why it's so frustrating that, you know, she doesn't get to it, especially fights where I do pick her as an underdog because uh, wrestling is the key and she doesn't do it enough. But also what I notice is in general she doesn't do enough, even on the feet. Improved boxing, uh, jab, which will be really good against, you know, that's going to be a big key. Uh, we saw that, you know, even though her jab's not as good as Rebos's, both in a head-to-head -head matchup and both by my judgment otherwise, still we saw what a jab can do to Dern's pressure. Dern can swing more than given credit for on the feet. She's definitely got pop and athleticism to knock girls down in and out of the UFC. I'm sure she's only going to be better with Jason Perillo, which is what another thing I like than seeing the shape that she came in. That's a good sign. But um, more specifically is like, yeah, the, uh, the the boxing, even though she's in those improvements there, like you look at fights, even recent ones, where she's down 2-0, her corner's telling her, and she's just letting like the, the fight come to her. Um, she's letting her opponent dictate the fight, and I don't like that. So at best i feel like she's going to end up in the clinch with dern and even then it's not good she's not i don't think she's going to win there i think dern's too strong there i don't think she can rock dern she's not going to submit dern so uh, at best it's going to be dern forcing her game ineffectively but but she'll be the one forcing it and forcing more offense and putting more out there to judge hence the judges will give it to her if she doesn't get the submission outright um, I'm going to go ahead and pick Dern by submission because I picked it on the Line Movement MMA betting show. However, I feel like minus 165 is more than a valuable enough entry point uh, to play. And I, 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 I played it, man. Um, I played Mackenzie Dern here at minus 165. Again, this is another one. If I get it, get it wrong, I'm going to have to eat some shit because that's the one thing is even though I'm Mr. Contrarian and I go against hype trains, and I'm skeptical with facts more than most. When I tend to back these MFers, they tend to fail, and then you just look like, oh, you're both the hype, Demi. Uh, you, know, you know, classic Dan Tom uh, spot. So we'll see. We'll see if I eat S there. Um, all right. I should have just said eat shit because eat S. I'm sounding like eat, or eat easy, Dan. Let's just move on. Kevin Holland, minus 260. He was minus 265. Wow, I don't think that line's going the wrong way for us. Darren, the dentist, Stewart, plus 220. You got to bet against me again, Dan. Huh? I didn't show you the last time. A fucking submission of a mocky fucking Patolo. 
Uh, that's not how Darren Stewart sounds, Dan. But you know what? He did. He did. And props to you, Darren Stewart. Get your first career submission. You burnt us last time out. However, I think you were the one getting guillotined this time, sir, um, to tip my hand there. Um, again, man, for the same reason why I was preaching like fighters like Bobby Green are going to do well during the pandemic era. Well, I think Kevin Holland has a lot of those hallmarks of swagger from the verbal warfare and gamesmanship to his slick countering styles that often aren't given credit for enough by judges or fans, and the fans aren't still getting on it because um, they couldn't see what he was doing in that Buckley fight. But uh, I loved it. I'm like, this is perfect. This is people are still going to want to fade Holland the next time out, and um, even though minus two sixty is still high. Um, you could argue this thing should be creeping higher, not lower, like it like it is doing. Um, so I had Kevin Holland as my fighter to target this week, similar to Bobby Green. Whether you're a serious chalk player, parlay piecer, or a prop angle that I kind of gave away, which I'm going to go Holland by sub plus 500, which I put half a unit on because I think he's going to guillotine him here. Um, Darren Stewart... Um, can be rocked. He's not beyond being rocked, which is another reason why I picked Patolo to beat him because he actually gets rocked a lot, it, even though he doesn't um, have a, a TKO loss to his name. He just usually falls apart and will give a submission like a guillotine, which is what I'm predicting here because he's not going to be able to hurt or hit Holland. And once he doesn't and Holland starts talking crap and just piecing him up and talking to him, and um, he's going to want to go to his wrestling his underrated wrestling and takedowns is going to get angry. He's not going to know what to do. He's going to combust, and he's going to dive his head um, into the guillotine. Uh, so that's how I see this one going. Uh, I parlayed him with someone else on the card who we'll talk about uh, shortly. And, uh, yeah, good luck to you. All right, next fight, David Dvorak and Jordan Espinosa, even minus 110. Espinosa opened as a plus one. 45 underdog, I want to say. So if you got him there, I think that was the right play. He's my lean here. I like Espinosa and his improvements, particularly his jab. He's always had the athleticism. I was just afraid he was an opportunist who wasn't going to do enough. He seems to be moving in the right direction, though, which is why I will side with him here. However, I was really impressed when I did go back to watch David Dvorak. Um, super technical man. You know, he might only have regional MMA titles to his credit and no official grappling ranks or credentials, but the dude's grappling is really spot on. Works really well from a front headlock if Espinosa does go for those takedowns. That being said, Espinosa looks like he's got a decent low signal and will hit some even some ankle pick action in there. Um, so, uh, yeah, man, um, that's going to be really interesting, the scrambles and whatnot, too. Um, Dvorak knows what he's doing. He can fight from both stances, can counter. Seems like he kind of has answers from everywhere. So this is going to be a sweaty fight, in my opinion. Um, not worth betting probably either side at minus 110. This is definitely a fight where you want to just take the dog or pass. Um, so from an analyst perspective and even from my early lean betting perspective, yeah, um, Espinosa for me. Good luck if you got him at those dog prices. Um, I'm staying away from this one, though. Mara Bueno Silva versus Mara Marero Borella. I've been fucked it up. Mara Bueno Silva minus 55. Mara Romero Borella plus 215. Um, Mara Moreno Borella is a southpaw, which is always interesting, especially with you know, me and Dan were kind of having a snicker that she's actually listed as a black belt in kickboxing and as an Anna black belt in shoot box. I don't see it. Um, she's got some jujitsu credentials in there as well. She's really just athletic and, um, you know, gets by on the physicals, let's just say. Whereas Myra Benasilva is really easy to forget about for me. She looks like, a, you know, Brazilian girl number seven they imported in to fill a card really quick, and now she's kind of stuck here. <laughs> uh, nothing against, nothing against, uh, the Brazilian females, believe me. I'm just saying. Like, I just... The U.S. is more of a comment on uh, the UFC's mass recruiting and just the state of the schedule these days. I can't... Dude, I, I've already forgotten about people I've graded in the beginning of Dana White Contender Series. Like, and then they extended and make them longer every year, and now we're postponing it till November. Like, I'm going to forget where the fuck I am by the time this finishes. Um, I, I even think... 
Myron Buena Silva probably fought the Brazilian contenders. Uh, but anyways, I, I'm going to take her to win here. She's um seems like more of the natural fighter to me. Um, in the clinch, on the feet, even on the ground. Um, so I'll take I'll take Buena Silva. Not much to say there. Um, I don't blame her for using her as a parlay piece. That's probably one of the safer chalks to go about. Um, you could probably even argue that it's safer than. Well, it is because it should be because it's it's the higher price than the chalk that I attached officially, but. Um, it's probably safer than what I'm about to play, uh, but I so for that reason, don't follow me off cliffs. And if I'm seemingly neglecting a big chalk piece, it's not because it's uh, I'm missing it. Like I'm, I'm I'm gonna probably incorporate her too. But these are always dangerous, man. The female chalk could be very dangerous. We got you got to know which one's worthy and which one's not. So far, I've been pretty good about it recently. Let's see if we can continue that trend here because we have Jessica Rose Clark at minus 230 and Sarah Alpar plus 190. Now, even if you're not, you know, you want to, you know, fade the attractive girl thing, which, you know, can go well for you. See last week with Andrea Lee. Um, be careful because those same people would fall victim to judging a book by its cover, let's just say, with Sarah Alpar. Not very impressive looking, let's just say, but she deceptively does a lot of stuff well. Southpaw, got a check right hook, durable, willing to get dirty. Some decent wrestling. She's got that, like, lazy man DC single leg where she just kind of uh, hikes the football down and encourages the, the turtle tripod reverse to get up so she can take it back. Um, and that's what she did in her contender series fight. Uh, wrestling is her base, but... The thing is, I wanted her to cut back down to 125. I'm not going to tell g girls where to go with her weight. I mean, Jessica Rose Clark was really hurting herself, and she looked like she was in great shape, right? Um, but regardless of whether it looks like Alpar could make 125 or not, um, that is where I thought that's where she would be a deceptive out at 135 against girls with deceptively as much but more experience like a Clark. Maybe not so much. Um, I really like Clark's uh, improvements on her right hand. I think that's going to be money with the southpaw stance. Uh, even against Kianzad in a fight she lost and lost previously, you saw the improvements. She really clocked up Kianzad consistently with her right hand. It was just kind of like what the commentators, there were just a couple footwork adjustments that were kind of missing. Um, I think she's going to be able to get away with those regardless of whether or not she's been able to improve those over at CSA during this pandemic time. But the big answer for Clark is going to be the wrestling. Um, I don't think she's going to be able to give a give a submission. Clark has underrated grappling in that sense. And when she gets on top, um, she's actually underrated from a positional standpoint. Uh, however, that's got to be your worry here against Sarah Alpar. Uh, Alpar, you know, say what you will about fighting in the wrong weight class or what kind of shape she's going to be in in this pandemic era. She was uh, coming off of a canceled booking, which means, you know, it's an extended camp for her. So I'm sure she's going to be very game. That being said, I still think Clark rolls in a fight that's definitely going to go to decision probably. Um, so for that reason, I'll take Clark. I paired her up with Holland for minus 102 at three units. Very chalky, I know. You don't have to follow me off the cliff, but that's what I'm playing. Next fight, I'm really excited for, and I'm really mad at myself. There's just so many goddamn fights. I think it was like 15 fight card, 15 or something. Was it one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen? Thirteen fights. Jesus fuck. Um, but yeah, uh, this one I'm excited for. Germ Journey Newsome minus 135. Uh, Randy Costa plus 115. Um, the line movement is correct, which is why I stayed away from it. Good on you if you got Journey Newsom who opened up as like a plus 155 underdog. Um, I think that was a good bet. Uh, we'll, we'll see how the result goes. Ultimately, that determines what a good bet it is and isn't. That being said, I'm not comfortable you know, betting against Randy Costa, which is another reason I'm going to stay away. Shout out to the fight site, uh, to my man Philippe, who did always his excellent interviews. My French brother from another mother. Um, another reason why to check out fights the fight site dot, the fight dash site dot com as well as subscribe to their YouTube and podcast channel. This was a great interview. They got a visual component too because you get a fighter breaking down his work. And Randy Costa, even with uh, heavy uh, Boston accent there, uh, does a fantastic job. Really well spoken. Uh, really analytical kid. Um, 
really dig the explanations on his style. There wasn't a hitch in in his knee, but we all know Rogan gets fixated on things, especially men's legs, for whatever reason. (laughs) Look at his thighs. I really want him to throw more leg kicks, Mike. All I want is leg kicks. Um... Uh, but, you know, he's got that Korean style, but the countering style, also some boxing, some kickboxing, and he mishmashes them together in his own way, which I really appreciate. Um, and, man, uh, so I, I'm a big fan of Randy Costa here. Don't, don't get it twisted. I'm also a fan of Journey Newsom, who, even though Randy Costa does have some underrated uh, wrestling defense because I didn't realize that he used to wrestle, at least probably, I believe, at a high school level, I think it was, as far as that base goes. He's done a lot of athletes as a sport, very athletic bantamweight. Newsom, even though he's compact and looks like a late-era WEC guy, he's got some 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 real skills as well, man. And he's, he's shown he can knock out those tall bantamweights. He's got some counter right hands, some boxing chops of his own. Came in, I believe his father was a boxer or fighter or something. It was his head coach, got him into it at a young age. Maybe it wasn't a boxer. Maybe it was Brazilian jiu-jitsu because the guy's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu brown belt. So he will have the advantage in grappling exchanges should they happen. And scrambles, but Costa seems to be no slouch in the wrestling and hopefully for his sake, scrambling department. So the line is more down to earth. I believe Newsom should be slightly favored, but it's really hard to be confident on either side. Uh, I'm going to pick Newsom here. No bet for me. Good luck um, if you're playing anything at dog money because that is really the only way to justify it for me. Andre Uo minus 225, Erwin Rivera plus 185. I didn't get a chance to look at this because I really wanted to look at it because in case you didn't know, yeah, I probably was going to, I'm always going to look to fade Andre Uo. Damn, what do you got against Andre Uo? Nothing. I'm sure he's a really nice guy. It's just there's these guys that I just, just like with Billy Quarantine going against Kyle Nelson. Kyle Nelson seems like a really nice guy too. But just some guys I feel like they're fighting in the wrong weight class. And until they make that uh, eventuality a reality, I'm going to... You know, um, look at them through a handicapped lens. Doesn't mean I'm not going to pick them. Uh, in fact, I'll 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 go ahead and pick Andre Uhl here. But this is on my avoid list. Um, even though I didn't look at it, I will say this guy is not a guy you want to be betting heavy chalk on. Um, from what I remember, Erwin Rivera, he should be able to put out more volume and get his kind of game going. Uh, I don't think the wrestling there is going to be a problem. But again, man, Andre Uhl, he drops off for a reason. Uh, things start falling apart from breaking hands to ribs and just injuries and fights. Like this, it's not uncommon. These guys are too big for these damn weight classes. You know, go look at O'Malley, right? It's all falling apart for a reason. You know, uh, Montel Jackson. It's always gas tanks falling up. Well, I wonder why his gas tank keeps falling apart. Um, Kyle Nelson. I just said who admitted it himself. I wonder why his gas tank keeps falling apart. Like, so. I got the squinty eyes over at Andre Uhl. Nothing personal. I'm sure he's a really nice guy. But as far as this game goes, folks, I'll pick him here. But it's a void list. Also on the avoid list, I'll be picking the favorite. TJ Laramie, minus 320. Derek Miner, plus 260. Uh, Laramie's never been submitted, uh, whereas Derek Miner is the guillotine choke specialist. However, Laramie does like to wrestle. And even though he, uh, you know has competed in grappling, has competed in the gi, and knows a thing or two about choking himself. Um, the thing is, he's even though he's been ready for UFC level for some time, um, you know, he's Derek Miner, is, you could argue, is more experienced, if not just as experienced. So he is still in the danger zone as far as on-paper level levels go. And as far as stylistic threats go, um, yeah, TJ Laramie's safe. He can strike, don't get me wrong, but especially as a shorter featherweight, his safety zone seems to be able to push into the clinch, get those takedowns, and that's where you run into guillotines. That's where scrambles can ensue, and you get caught coming up to your base in a turtle or referee's position for a back taker like minor, back taker and guillotine specialist, right? So that is the danger there. Um, so for that reason, minor could be live for an upset submission. Every prospect has to have one of those, right? This could be it for Laramie. I'm not picking it to happen. I'm picking Laramie to win, um, probably by decision, if not a late stoppage. But uh, at minus 320, no way, Jose, am I playing or touching that. Tyson Nam, lastly, but not leastly, minus 185, 
for Jerome Rivera, plus 160. I didn't get time to look into this, but I saw the line is growing a bit in Nam's favor, which I don't disagree with. Initially, he got bet down, but uh, I like Nam. Obviously, low volume. Uh, without looking at it off the top of my head, Jerome Rivera's best pass is going to be, like most people's, is out volume, but can he do that without getting tagged meaningfully or his lights put out against... Yeah, I would say the second hardest hitter uh, next to Dice Duguera, uh, Davis and Figueredo. Um, I'll agree with my co-host on, on, on the Live Moving MMA show on that one. Yeah, that is Tyson Nam. So I'll pick Tyson Nam. I'll pick the Hawaiian here. Um, but uh, I'm not telling you to uh, go crazy on that. In fact, since I didn't do anything, I'll, I'll fill that in for my last avoid list, just to be honest and transparent. Because I didn't play it. I probably won't. Uh, and I didn't uh, do it, so it's on my avoid list for that reason. If you've got a good hedge or lean, you take a shot. Don't let me dissuade you. I just put it on my avoid list for that reason amongst a couple others. All right, how did we do on time? Ah, damn it, we went over an hour. Fuck me, you guys. You guys could have, you guys had laughed at me in the beginning, and you deserve to. All right, well, it was a long card. I'm sorry. I'm taking Covington over Woodley, taking Price over... Spring break over Cerrone. Taking Chemayev over Mirashart. Hearts with Mirashart there. Taking Span over Walker. Taking Dern over Marcos. Taking Holland over Stewart. Taking Espinosa over Dvorak. Taking Silva over Borella. Taking Rose Clark over Alpar. Taking Jeremy Newson over Costa. Taking Ool over Rivera, taking Laramie over Minor, taking Nam over Rivera. Parlayed Holland and Clark at minus 102 for three units. Took Dern straight up at minus 165 for two units. Took Span, shot on Span at plus 105 for one unit. Played Holland by sub for a half unit at plus 500. Span by sub, plus 550 at half a unit as well as Span round three. Plus 150. By the way, I'm going to be looking at rounds two and round three. Uh bets there for uh, Kevin Holland um, as well uh, because I think those will be uh, worth looking at. Plus 65, six, 765 round two, little sprinkles. And round three, uh, plus 1,100. Easy there, Derek Love. Uh, price by TKO, I took a half-unit sprinkle at plus 130. If you're looking to play Chemayev, plus 230 by sub probably isn't bad for the pride and eagle gauntlet that he just threw down in the submission department. On my avoid, this doesn't have to be on yours, is Ul Rivera. I'm not sold on Ul. Laramie Minor, watch out for Guillotine Trap City. And I didn't do any studies, so I'll go ahead and throw Nam Rivera on there. Thank you guys so much. Follow me at DanTomMMA. Follow the podcast on all social platforms. It won't pollute your feed, but it really does help a lot. At the PYN Podcast. You can also visit the hosting site for the podcast, which provides you free entertainment at mixmarshallanalyst.com where you can find PayPal links and it on it and Amazon click-throughs, uh, as well as uh, links for uh, Apple Podcasts. Five-star ratings and reviews help, as well as subscribe to the YouTube channel, folks. Daniel Tom MMA on YouTube. Like the video, subscribe, share, help my measly views and subscriber count. It's a big help. Helps keep this thing free, continues to keep it th- free, all week long, bonus episodes, all that and more coming to you. Good luck on your picks and plays, and until next time, protect your neck.